0: Can you hear this music? Yes, this is the episode of today. The episode of Broomwagoon, you will not get there on a normal road bike. Yes, for sure not. Uh, I will say that today's episode is pretty interesting, the cartel I interview, it's pretty cool, the event that I will talk about, it's pretty special and unique. But the episode is pretty pretty long so i will try to keep this intro really short saying that i have to thank you all you out there special people that are listening to this podcast weekly and saying that also some cool things are out some cool projects are really yeah they are popping up and i'm super happy i will let you know more once that I actually put all the things in place. You will know it, but a couple probably you know already, but yeah. Okay, as I was saying, I don't want to be belong, so send me the feedback, also feedback on this episode, feedback on things that you want to listen or everything like this, hello at calamaro.cc. That's always my email. And I have also my, yes, my social media, so Instagram, that is calamaro.cc, Facebook is the same, while on Twitter, I am Reed Calamaro. Then, oh yes, Spreaker and Spotify and Apple Podcasts, the kind of application that you can find in all over your mobile phones, where to listen to this special, amazing, everything is special today, amazing podcast, amazing episode and everything like it is. Just look for Broomvagoon or better, Broomwagon on the application that you like and don't forget to rate it then suggest it then comment it then feedback me (laughs) then also try to share it with all the people out there in your facebook groups or in your groups of i don't know friends bunch of friends or stuff like this it's pretty easy please do it it's gonna be pretty appreciated and thanks to 3t I've not been riding the bicycle so much, I'm actually really busy on doing shitty stuff around in this period, but the 3T Explorer is always out for small exploration, a small adventure, on the snow! It's not so snowy, fortunate anymore, so I can go in the hoods just covering completely my face in mud. And that's what we want to do, right? Covering our faces in mud. Well, I was saying it was not super short, but let's introduce quickly my guest of today. I'm talking about Matt, and Matt is the organizer of one of the races that I've been looking forward. I really can't wait to see for this year, coming year. I'm talking about Matt Ryan, then. He's the organizer of the Pan-Celtic race, Sorry, Pan-Celtic race. That's why this music at the beginning. But now, just listen to his voice and to my voice and to all the chat that we had some days ago. Talk to you later. Still talking about huge adventure and huge characters on the adventure bicycle adventure world and also about organization of uh, race or ride events of Ultra Endurance World. Today, I'm really happy to have here with me Matt that is experiencing a lot of those things, on all of those things, but you will know a bit more. Hi, Matt, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks, Stefano,
1: you Italian prime rib steak you. How are you? I'm really,
0: really, really good. <laughs> and I feel really confident that today I can spell your name and surname what? Yeah. Well, listen. without making any mistake.
1: Yeah, so st- the t- the uh, this this chat will terminate, Stefano, if you fail to say my name the first time because my name is so easy to pronounce, and I I <laughs> I hear that you have difficulties in pronouncing other people's names. So come on, have a go at this one.
0: Okay, okay, but actually, I can actually give you a lot of surprises, and I can also misspell yours. But I will <laughs> oh, go can't. for it. I can, but I will go for it. I will go with a lot of confidence, say Matt Ryan. Oh,
1: yes. Very good. Great. Bravo. Great. Am I the first person whose name you've got right?
0: Uh, I have to disappoint you. It's the second one. Yeah.
1: Well, I'll take I'll, you, I'll you, second. Second's great.
0: Okay, second. You know why? Because the first one was yesterday night when I was making the another interview that is going to be exactly an interview coming out just before yours. Okay. So, actually this is the third recording that i'm doing this year the first one was so gone uh-huh. and i completely misspelled his surname saying this. Sogon <laughs> yon instead of so yoon yeah. one then there was the one of yesterday of brady and then today so two out of three i feel super good on that
1: yeah well you know it's it's an improvement isn't it you're getting better your english skills are uh, certainly improving so.
0: but can i ask you a question if you can go in this conversation can you actually pronounce my name please Stefano? Perfect. You are really one of the few <laughs> that, say Steph- that says Stefano and not Stefano. Stefano. Not Stefano. <laughs> <laughs> Stefano is completely okay. Stefano is my name, exactly spelled in the perfect way. But everybody out there, pronounce my name Stefano. One day I will probably go into this conversation and tell to everybody that say Stefano in Italian. Uh, sounds like you are saying Hustle <laughs> in <laughs> English. Ste- what? <laughs> <Stephasol>. <laughs> yeah, you know, ano It means Anus, you know. That's Defassel. Yeah. Does it? Yeah, ano Anus. It's <laughs> the same thing. And everybody calls me Stefasso. It was a joke. <laughs> but, you know? ah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. funny
1: that because um I've got a friend and her name is her name is Toto. Mm-hmm. And um another friend of mine, he came to visit from uh Catalonia and I introduced Toto. To my friend from Catalonia, <laughs> okay. and he looked really embarrassed because um, Toto in Catal in Catalan okay. is the uh, female the female genitator, apparently. So um, ah
0: okay there we in we've Catalan both,
1: we've both learned something new today. So St- okay. Stefano is.
0: It's co- incorrect, it's let's say. I can live with it because I don't like actually to embarrass anybody on the other side of the microphone, mm-hmm. but it's not correct. Fortunately, you said in the quarter. So Toto is in Catalan. Yeah, because in Spanish it's chocho. But that's another story. Okay. <laughs> don't go into it. Okay. <laughs> okay, Matt. Okay. I really love this introduction. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> maybe we can start now with a small... Because I kind of tried to introduce yourself. Yeah probably failing yeah. but and they believe that your introduction would be way more viable than my one so go ahead
1: um so i live in um i live in the uk i live in wales uh, i am the son of an Irishman and the son of a welsh lady so that would make me a celtic person by most people's estimation so that is in part um, where the theme of the race comes from? I, I work full time in the emergency services. I'm a firefighter. I've got oh wow yeah. So I've got three children: Harvey, Ted, and Max. I am married uh, for twenty years. I'm 44. Uh, my wife's called Rebecca. She's uh, she's a superb woman. How she puts up with me riding my bike as much as I do, I don't know, but she does. She's amazing. She deserves a medal. Um, what else? I've got brother, two brothers and a sister. A dog called Gypsy. I got ah uh, Gypsy, uh, great name. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I could board the socks of you and yeah. <laughs> start at year one, but I won't do that. No. So. i don't know it's
0: uh let's go continue go with the flow what about your family where are they now because your actually background sounds really really quiet oh yeah probably because it's morning yeah
1: so so like um last night i, I was working last night so i've come home this morning my wife she's at work um and my eldest son harvey he's he's either in bed or he's at work i haven't checked he's probably okay. he's probably in bed And then um, my two other children, Ted and Max, they're in school. So, and Gypsy, I've had to. Gypsy's in the um, kitchen because she's she's got this habit of sitting on the stairs in our house. And when she's sat on the stairs, she can see out through the out through the windows. And anybody that goes past the front of our house or comes down our path. She always starts to either growl or bark. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny, so I've had to put her in the kitchen. So if anyone does knock on the door and you hear a dog barking, that's why Gypsy's just on patrol. She's on. The, she's making sure everything's good.
0: No, but yeah, yeah, yeah. She can be part of uh, of our recording without any problem. Yeah. I love dogs. Okay, it's cool. Problem. Yeah, cool. I would love to have one here, but in the apartment is a bit weird. But that's another story. Um... <laughs> okay, you touched this briefly saying that you are uh riding that you are riding the bicycle really a lot yeah so tell us a bit more about let's say we can start on something like your experience with a bicycle your first experience with a bicycle how uh, everything started and okay. what we have done talking about bicycles
1: yeah okay so i was listening to your podcast a few weeks ago and i forget the name of the guy but he was really interesting, really cool sounding bloke. And he was saying that he learned to ride his bike before he learned to walk. Mm-hmm. Do you remember him?
0: Yes, I believe so. It must have been... Wait, I'm really bad with the names. <laughs>
1: Anyway, I won't put you on the spot. But anyway, I wasn't one of those uh,
0: people. Give me one second. I'm going to find it out. Okay. Right, you,
1: you keep looking. But um, yeah, so I learned to crawl and walk before I started to ride a bike. But I can remember my first bike was a uh a rally bike have you heard of rally bikes never Stuff, I know. yeah they're a british brand and uh, really popular during the sort of 70s 80s 90s died out a bit but they've had a bit of a resurgence uh,
0: made some great models like the rally chopper rally grifter ah, uh, i got one of those have you yeah i got one of those when i was actually around my six Five, six years old, everybody had, um, was used to have a BMX uh-huh. and they got one of those. Yeah. Kind really. of a super chopper, really comfortable saddle, I remember.
1: Really comfortable. And you could, you could put take
0: people for backies
1: on the back. You could get yes. people a seater on the back. And they were really quite tricky just to turn corners at speed because of the small wheel on the chopper. But yeah, I had a, to begin with. I had a rally kite, which was really smart, and then I had a rally tomahawk, and then I had um, what do I have after that? I had my brother's chopper for a little bit, and then I got my first mountain bike when I was fourteen, which again was a rally, and that was a cool. That was a rally Mustang. So yeah, rally was quite popular brand in our household. Wow, well, yeah, and then. Um, mountain bike for quite a few years this was back in when would it be 1986 around then onwards probably for about four or five years and then got to um got to my late well early 20s late teens and the bike did get put back in the shed and not touched for maybe seven eight years while i went out and partied and socialized and met people, met my wife, and it was, uh... excuse me,
0: it was... Oh, no, no, no worries. I, <laughs> I, we, all of us can understand that you are tired. You work yeah. the whole night, yeah. and I'm the I'm the bad person that I'm interviewing you in the morning. No, no, <laughs> yeah. it's cool.
1: And, uh, yeah, so basically got back into the bike maybe 12 years ago, got my, got my first road bike because I'd had mountain bikes and different types of bikes, and it's sort of gone from there. I did some, I've been, a road raced for maybe six years, Uh, I've done cyclocross racing, I've done track racing. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. And the last three, four years, focused more on endurance rides. So without even racing, I just wanted to see how far I could ride in 10 hours, 20 hours. Or I'd set myself a a target from point A to B and just ride it and see how quick I could do it. And then that sort of progressed into... um, Doing bike packing, so I did some bike packing, and then TCR, and then a Transatlantic Way, and then organizing my own race. So
0: cool! First of all, I had to probably defend myself, saying that the guy who started uh, riding before walking mm. must be, uh, no, it's not Clayton was not clayton probably was an older one probably was chris hall chris
1: hall it was definitely
0: it was chris hall yeah exactly yeah 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 i remember i remember also that talk that we had together he actually kidnapped me he speaks way more than myself and (laughs) so easy. he kidnapped me in the recording room that at that time was in my old office and i was really locked in i had to call somebody to get me free but that's another story um continue on the bicycle continue on the bicycle thing um yes uh, you mentioned that you had a lot of different phases on your bicycle life and because you are really um you are following really a lot on my podcast or whatever i can say that you are one of my biggest fan probably Yes, you know that at a certain point this question will arrive how many bicycles do you own right now well right now i've got
1: um Personally, I own five, but one of them is out of action. Uh, one of them's a mountain bike, which I tend to only ride now in the winter when it's really when the roads are really messy or if the is really bad. Go up into the mountains; it's it's nice. Um, but I've got uh, a ti- I like titanium, so I've got uh, my first wow. ti- my first metal bike was a uh, Lightspeed, which I've still got but i'm not riding that as much as i used to. um i've got a parley carbon bike which is really really nice and then the bike that i do pretty much everything on is uh an enigma which is okay. a um, british uh, bicycle manufacturer they make them all by hand down on the south coast in Hailsham. stunning bikes and uh, yeah it's my do it's my do everything go to bike so i've cycled across raced on it i've Gone off road on it. I rode across Europe on it. I rode around Ireland on it. I commute to work on it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's an extension of me. Wow, it's a great
0: bike. Okay. Um, Did you say that this is a steel bike or a titanium bike? So
1: that one's a titanium bike. They do steel bikes as well. Okay. Bikes, but uh, there was a point where I did have at one point I had um, I think eight bikes, but that was just too many. I mean, I know there's the uh, the equation n plus one. But unless you're a collector, uh, yeah. then I think really you only need two bikes, two bikes, three bikes, maybe, you know, one for the summer. That's why you have five. Oh sure, yeah. yeah, I have five, but yeah, one's out of action. One's mountain bike and the other three are all working. But really you need one for the summer, a nice light bike for going up in the hills, but still the Enigma is good at that. And uh, you need something that you don't mind thrashing through, yeah. you know, through the through salty roads and grimy stuff. The, my old light speed is good for that. But uh, I've, I've moved off from, I'm not a big, well, I've become a really big fan of disc brakes and big tyre clearances. So uh, it's just a comfier ride, a safer ride. So that's why I go for the, the Unimic more, more so than the light speed. Yeah, five is good. And I would definitely recommend getting a bike uh, made for you rather than just picking one off the shelf you do you do have a a bit more of an investment in it you know it becomes you know i don't know it, it sort of has more of a personality uh, you know it's, yeah. as silly as it might sound but you know I, I might come home after a really hard ride or whatever you know and I, <laughs> I i'm talking to the bike you know i'm saying thanks very much i can't believe you did that you know it's like it is like a yeah it, it's, it has its own personality and I guess when you're spending 28, 24, 48, 60 hours, whatever, on a bike, you know, you end up talking to anything. I'll talk to sheep or anyone that's going, you know, any animals I'm passing in, you know, I'll shout hello to or just talk to. And the bike's very good at listening. So the bike gets to hear quite a lot sometimes
0: what's on my mind yeah. when I'm riding. No, that's a great point, actually. That's why, actually, I'm always super in love with the Hammer. You know, it's uh, so the hammer is my custom-made bicycle. Really, you can understand that it's kind of a part of you. After this year, I've done the Holy Week. I called it. It was one week. We have done seven hundred kilometers, I believe, with a bit more, with something like almost thirty thousand uphill climbing. Wow, that's good. And uh, I believe that I would never accomplished anything like this with another bike than my bicycle my custom-made bicycle so yeah i can see your point but we are here to talk about another endurance race that's right and we're talking we are here to talk about your endurance race the one that you are uh organizing mm-hmm. the punk uh this is something that i can really misspell come on the punk celtic uh, race that's right
1: good. that's good Some call it the pan-Celtic race.
0: I would have said Celtic as well, but I've listened to you saying Celtic all the time, so that's why I went for this one. Yeah,
1: it's Celtic, not Celtic.
0: Okay, I will not do it anymore. Celtic is a football team, and uh, Hmm. Celts are the people okay 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 why then everybody said celtics that is the the football team or i don't know celtics it's also the basketball team they're just okay let's go ahead mm. <laughs> let's I, talk about the race i don't know it's just, i could i don't have the
1: answer to that but yeah yeah they just do
0: so yeah uh you are organizing it for the first edition of 2019 how everything started. What was in your mind? Was it actually? Is it gonna be the first race that you are gonna that you are gonna organize, or you organize? You have other experience in bicycle events like this. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Okay. So I got, like I said, I
1: got my first road bike maybe twelve years ago, mm-hmm. and then I was riding it. I joined a club, a cycling club local to me, and uh, got to know quite a few other people, and the. The town where I live in North Wales, we've got a headland. Uh, it's called the Great Orm. Uh, it's a it's an old Viking word for serpent, because when the Vikings came over here many many years ago, they thought that the headland was a was the head of a giant snake or serpent, and um, so mm. that's where the name comes from. Uh, back in the Victorian days, uh, so hundred odd years ago they um built a road a sort of balcony road that goes around this headland and it's it's a really nice road it's up and down a little bit it's probably about four miles in length but it has some stunning views of the irish sea and all down the welsh coastline and uh, it always struck me that we got this amazing asset in uh, in our area but no one really makes use of it you know in in um, you know, in a a cycling sense from putting on a race. So I was at a club meeting one time and I said to, I made a suggestion of why don't we put on a uh, a race around this headland? And the answer was, well, we don't have anyone that's prepared to organize it. We don't have a race organizer in the club. And Mm -hmm. I had had a few beers at this point. So I was feeling, well, you know what? (laughs) I'd had a few beers. So I'd been drinking a few uh, I'd had a few ales while I was at a few beers. And um, basically, cut a long story short, they said, we need someone to volunteer to organise a race then. So I said, all right, I'll organise it. And that's where it happened. So I I started the first one, I think, in 2011. And uh, it ran for four years. It was like a British cycling um, uh, endorsed race, closed road. And we had, um, we would have a, a race lasting maybe two hours, about 60 miles, um, 300 competitors. But it was a, it started off smallish and grew really, really, really big. And um, yeah, that was a really exciting time. Lots of work, lots and lots of work. And then I've also been involved in organizing other road races around the area with the cycling club. Um, and I've organized, so i been involved in some uh, cyclocross racing, some organizing, some of that, and some track racing. So, so that was good. It gave me a lot of experience, gave me an insight of what's needed to be done. And uh, I really enjoyed it.
0: Okay, okay. And then, uh, how did you call this um, this first race that you started organizing? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I should have had a stronger coffee before I started talking to you. Oh so uh,
0: yeah, no worries, no yeah, worries. No you worries. can guess no, one yeah. if you want.
1: It, the race was called the Great Orm Race. Um, the
0: Game on Okay. Okay. The
1: Great, great Orm Race. The Great Orm Road Race.
0: Okay. Um, but it was something different, as I understood, than only uh, that than an ultra endurance race. Like yeah. tracking race. That is the one that you are doing. How did you come along then to start organizing and how did the idea sparkle of the Pan Celtic race? person who
1: sort of got me interested in the whole endurance side of racing was my call because up to i was just i can't remember exactly when i uh where and when i saw it but i was just on youtube and a video popped up and it was my call interviewing christoph and Mm -hmm. i watched that and finished watching it and then i watched it again straight away because i just couldn't believe wow this sounds amazing you know what he's doing and Christoph was just, uh, you know, what he, the, what he was able to, the distances he was covering, and you know, uh, the fact that he always looked so cleanly shaved. I I never get that. You must have to carry you must carry a razor with him or something because whenever you see Christoph, he's always <laughs> okay. clean shaven, whereas pretty much everyone else looks like they've been living feral for for weeks. But um, yeah. So seeing them in the video sort of got me interested, and then obviously you start doing lots of research and you find out that it's a it's a race that you have the potential to enter you have to train and all the rest of it okay and, um, yeah so i f- i would have to say that it's um i owe all as probably most people do in the scene i owe a lot of it to uh the inspiration of mike
0: okay so everything started from there then hmm All your uh, let's say um, you're starting following the scene and whatever. So after it, you started also uh participating to transcontinental, and you have done as well the transatlantic way, right?
1: Yeah. So um, so I heard about the trans, the TCR, the transcontinental, and um, yeah, I sort of realized I I came to the conclusion that it was something I really wanted to do. Okay. Um, but to take on something like that, it takes a lot of training. And I think really being able to knock out whatever, 150 miles, 200 miles a day, is only one small part of being able to, you know, complete the TCR or something similar. The route planning is a major thing. And um, just having, the you know, the mental strength is a far bigger thing than the physical strength. And um, so it takes, you know, you need to build up to it a little, little bit. So I did uh, an event that's fairly local to me in mid Wales called the Bare Bones Bike Packing, which is really good. It's just a low key, um, not, not too fussy uh, bikepacking event where you just sign up, go off into the wilds, follow some checkpoints, sleep rough a couple of nights and then head back, have a cup of tea and then go home. It was really, really good. But that gave me an insight into what I'd need to do to, uh, you know, to get dog uh, equipment selection and mm-hmm. different stuff like that. And then, as like everyone else does, I applied. I put my name into the ballot. But at that year, it was two thousand and fifteen, uh, Mike was running a competition called the One Seven One competition did you hear of that
0: it's the first time
1: yeah so uh, there was a there's a rider who he he now works for pedled uh yakapo yeah he wore hat number 171 and uh, he rode the tcr twice and then uh for 2000 and just to get my years right here 2017 was eighty seven 2017 he decided that he wasn't going to ride it and that he was going to get involved in helping out some of the organisation of it i mean i might be slightly wrong with it so you know, no,
0: worries, no worries no worries the important thing is the concept
1: <laughs> yeah and uh, so anyway so position number 171 was available was empty and mike wanted to get somebody to um, to take on the mantle of being a race ambassador for the TCR and the different um brands that support the race and he ran a competition and to qualify for the competition you had to do a 250 kilometer ride if I remember rightly and then you also had to uh, make a short video explaining why you'd be a good ambassador and then he ran like a poll, so people could go and vote for who they thought would be the best person and uh, the the guy from Turkey really nice guy actually called Burke Okye. I think he, well, he he did win it uh, I got third place so I wasn't so bad. yeah it was quite good um but the nice thing about that was was that um just before they made the announcements of the riders who got who made it through the ballot, Mike emailed people who had entered the competition and said that you know thanks for entering the competition grateful for that. And as a thank you, I'd like to offer you a guaranteed place. So myself, so me and the 30 or 40 other people who had gone to the trouble of doing the ride and making the video, we got a guaranteed place. So that was great. And a couple of guys who live, who I didn't know at the time, but they live maybe 50 miles from where I live, they same. They'd made a video. So that was good. So I got to know them and kept in touch with them. One of them actually helps out with the race I'm doing now. Toby.
0: Ah, oh, yeah, okay. I think it's
1: a really nice uh, gesture of Mike to do that.
0: No, 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 it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know about that, and yeah, it just help. Uh, it, it this thing just helps us to shape a bit better, every day better, the character that Mike was actually. Yeah. Really taking care about yeah, putting really the soul on what you are doing on the race that you are taking and uh, the yeah the kind of struggle that you're doing and how the love of the bicycle is over there. It's amazing. Cool. Then, uh, okay, after that, then you participated to the transcontinental race, then the transatlantic way, and now you're organizing the Punk celtic uh, race. Yes. So you decided then to go into it because you wanted everybody to understand, actually, to discover a bit more of this part of the world, I believe, right?
1: Yeah, so, um, I mean, in the last few years, there's... So many more uh, endurance races that have come along, and that's great. I think the more, the better because it gives people more choice, and um, you know some really interesting ones that out there now that I'd like to go and do, and I will do at some point. Um, but certainly, from from my point of view, I wanted to organise um, a race or a ride. I mean, it depends. People have this uh, have this sort of. Um, People have put it out there. Is it a race? Is it a ride? You know what? What? What are we going to call these kind of these events? And my view on it is: is if you ever you called it a race or a ride, there's going to be some people that go out there and race it anyway. Yeah. Uh, and th- but then I'd say the majority of people will go out there and will just ride it for the experience of sort of of, of what they see and what they said, but they smell and what they feel, and also for the. experience for the sort of their own personal journey rather than competing against other people I'd say I'd say it's probably I don't know 10 15 percent out of the people at and this is just my own sort of estimation but I'd say 10 15 maybe 20 percent of people that enter it race it the rest just go along for the experience which is good but I felt more comfortable calling it a race because um, that puts more onus on me to make sure that it's as planned out as good as it can be for me the way i see our race it's not just uh it's not just a journey from point a to b uh we're not just going along the the best roads we're not just going up the highest climbs but we're also incorporating the sort of celtic heritage and and celtic history so the route is determined as much by good climbs nice tarmac safe roads but also by Places of cult of s- cultural significance. So, for example, in Ireland, we go past um, a place called new grange which is uh, an old Celtic Neolithic um, structure, which is about four thousand years old. It's older than the pyramids. Okay. Uh, and it's uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing thing because in the winter solstice, as when the sun's in its lowest point. A small beam of light shoots down like a channel and lights up an inner chamber, and I mean that's just incredible. Just think, it's like that kind of technology is four thousand years old. Wow! And it's built by the Celtic people, right. um So we're going through going by places like that. So there'll be people that want to just race the whole time, but hopefully there'll be people that when they see these, see like um, new Grange or they we go past the Giant's Causeway. Obviously, it's not. Uh, Celtic structure, Mother Nature made that, but it's a really cool and interesting place. Or if we go past the dark edges, or all of the many like the castles and the standing stones that we go past. Yeah, you know, I want people to get off the bike for five minutes, go and have a look, and just take in the surrounds because these points are, uh, you know, they they're there for a reason. There is a sort of almost like an energy and a magic about them. So I want people to experience that as well as just going from A to B
0: yeah okay um talking a bit more something like putting something in place about the structure of the race itself uh you are starting from scotland inverness if i remember correct that's it yeah Um. you are going through then scotland then uh ireland then you are going back to great britain let's say and then coming back to um to wales right Mm -hmm. Yes, okay, in um a loop that is already predefined, so the ride there the track is already there. you are deciding it,
1: yeah, so that so yeah, um so I've rode the transcontinental, and in that event you have to plan your own route, which is yeah, which is uh really, really exciting, and it's really, really challenging and it's something I think everybody, everyone who's into endurance cycling has to do the Transit Continental at least once because I'd guess, I mean, it's it's singular in being the type of event it is. It's a, it is a really, really uh, life-enriching event and it will test you like no other event will, I think. And, you know, Mike Mike's vision of it and the way he managed it was great and I've got to take my hat off to Anna the way that she's been able to pick it up Uh, because obviously she was helping Mike with it but she's now running it full time with Rory and you know I think um, they're on the right track as far as I'm concerned I think that you know I think they're doing a really really good job of doing that Um, but after that, I then went and rode the Transatlantic Way, and that's organised by a quite a character called Adrian O'Sullivan. And if ever you get a chance to chat to him, have a chat to him. I will. He, he's an interesting guy. And um, his sort of point of view was that he uh, would, would prefer to have uh, a race where the route is already set and... I have to say, having re- having ridden the TCR and then having ridden the Transatlantic Way, I the TCR was more challenging and was probably you probably get more out of you know in uh, reflecting on it afterwards and character development and all the rest. Of it. You probably get a bit more out of doing the TCR because it is just such a big a big um, thing to take on and to you know to to complete. But from an enjoyment point of view, I really like the transatlantic way. And I like the fact that the route was set because you could go for days riding across Europe and not see any other rider. And when you did bump into a ride, it was great. You know, you'd have these like couple of minutes of uh, really, uh, I don't know, just just be like, wow, here's another TCR ride. This is great. And you'd be chatting and what have you. Um, But on a route that's set, you tend to see the same sort of people or different people, and I liked that. It was a bit more of a, a feeling of um, camaraderie, or you know, you felt like you were all in it together because you'd see the same people. You'd seen at the beginning of the race when they were all fresh looking, and you'd see the midway and they're starting to look a bit haggard, and then you'd seen towards the end, and they just looked completely, <laughs> completely dead on the bike. Some people, but um, okay, and 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 I liked that, and um, I think the reason why we chose to do something similar for our event is that, um, well for me, as an, as somebody who's taken on the responsibility of organizing the race, the primary, the most important thing for me above anything else is, uh, rider safety. Yes. Know, it, yeah. That, that is, um, the biggest thing for me. So I spent a long time thinking to myself, how can I make, um, How can I make this event, and how can I make and how can I make how can I make the event safe, the ride, and how can I make sure that the riders are as safe as possible, but at the same time not taking away too much of the whole spirit of adventure and discovery because that's something I want people to experience. Um, And the conclusion I came to was, and this is my own conclusion, but um, I wanted to do event, I wanted to do. Um, this ride with a set route because I would feel com- more comfortable having driven the route and ridden the route and risk assessed the route and identified any issues before anyone else, before I was to commit or before I was to send anyone else out onto those roads. Do you understand?
0: Yes, yes, I can completely to the point. Yeah.
1: Also, you get to direct people past things that you want them to see. So you
0: want—that's to- another point. Yeah, because I think that uh the actually the places that you are trying people to have a look and so to people to pass through are so full of stuff that they can see that not also you can actually do this kind of thing. So sending people where you want them to see new stuff with two ways, or selecting your own, the way yourself, saying you have to go here, here, and there, obviously. And the other way to do it is putting some checkpoints but at a certain point in a route that is here i can see one hundred one thousand four hundred and forty 1440 miles it must be around 2000 kilometers i would say uh you cannot put 20 checkpoints yeah yeah <laughs> so it's better to do it in that way
1: yeah so uh, i mean what we're trying to achieve with it really is just to, so the spirit of it i'd say it's probably adventure and discovery yeah uh, and i've mentioned that safety is the biggest priority but after that for me it's about having a good time um uh, because i want people so i want people to arrive at the finish in one piece and then after that i want them to have had a really really good time and i want people to leave the event maybe slightly more knowledgeable in the sort of celtic culture um having made some friends but haven't had a good time as well and uh you know, that's uh, that's something that we're that we're really trying to focus our attention on is, A, we've got the safety in place, but then people having a really good experience. And if we can sort of help guide, guide people a little bit and help nudge them towards having this kind of experience or that kind of experience while still keeping it self-supported, then, excuse me, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's quite easy when you do these long rides to lose sight of what you're doing it for, why you're doing it, because, you know, most people will do them because they like to ride the bikes a lot and they want to see things they haven't seen before. But inevitably, you might go through the odd dark period where you're not enjoying it, things aren't going right, you know, your punches or you get lost, what have you. But it's just important that we make people remember why they're there and to just to get the most out of it because you know maybe a week later or so you're going to be back at work yes at your desk or whatever you do and you'll be thinking about it wishing that you were still out there
0: for sure and exactly following uh this path over here you already talked about something but can you give us something like uh some highlights on where the people are gonna go through for the pan-celtic race uh, yeah. something like you can go for one eye uh, while one eye light for country or you can go for more
1: yeah no I will do um so it starts off in Inverness in Scotland and within about 15 20 miles you're starting to get into uh you're starting to enter the sort of wilderness of Scotland if you like uh, so just the remote nature of the route uh you you can you you can ride for mile upon mile and not see another living living person, or you might see the occasional Highland cow or stag, something like that. But just the sheer remoteness of it, um, that's something that really captured me when we went up there last year to do a route recce. You know, it was uh, just, you, this is no sound at all. You know, there's no sound of cars or any industry, or anything like that. So that's really, really nice. And then in Scotland, there's a climb called the nabar which is um, which reaches the highest point of the whole route. And uh, that was something that we, we knew from the start we wanted to have included in the route. Um, the, the summit's truly spectacular. And there's like a really smart switchback descent um, coming down. So that's, that's cool. And then people make their way then through the highlands down towards the ferry port of Stranra, where they jump onto a ferry and some people have said to me but doesn't it make it a race to you know the first person to the ferry but for me I don't think that at all I think the ferry um, adds a real strategic and sort of dynamic edge to it because I think there's five ferries a day and what we're going to be doing is, is as the right because we'll be tracking the riders with them um, spot trackers and as they're riding down towards the ferry, uh, we can see like maybe they're 10 miles away. So then we can, one of our organisers, they'll go online and they'll book that person on the next available ferry. So all they have to do is roll up to the ferry port, put their bike on, and it's a three or four hour crossing. And that's really good because it's an enforced period. It's like an enforced mandatory period of rest because you'll be aware of this one of the things that we're asking riders to do is to manage their sleep and their rest periods, you know, and the advice I would give as, as somebody having done these and having read about it and listening to other people is that we would like people to have at least four hours of non bike riding a day. So that's four hours sleep. You know, and that's what, we, that's what we're advising and strongly recommending people to do. So one of the ferry crossings is great because that's going to be one of the periods where they're going to have a rest um, and if you like all hostilities, are see, so, you know, I can imagine maybe two riders who are racing each other, getting to the ferry port. They haven't spoken for maybe two or three days, They get on the ferry, they maybe check the bikes over, get some food and then they can chat, you know, there's, there's no racing to be done while they're on the ferry. And then as soon as the ferry lands in Belfast, the race continues. And then once they're in Ireland, I guess some of the, um, highlights for me is I've touched on, um. The um, Giants Causeway, just a, a natural wonder, which is uh, amazing to see. It um, Tours Head in uh, Northern Ireland, Northeastern Ireland, is another place that's spectacular. The Dark Forest, uh, Dark Hedges, sorry, which is featured in the Game of Thrones. It's a, that's a really creepy place, but it's amazing to look at. Uh, Newgrange. Uh, the Wicklow Mountains we've got our checkpoint in we've got our second checkpoint in Wicklow Mountains so yeah I missed the first checkpoint so our first checkpoint will be in Ullapool so riders can come up it's a hostel that we've got there they can book they can spend some time there they can sleep if they want to or they can just get the brevet stamped and crack on but then the second checkpoint in Ireland in the Wicklow Mountains we've uh, the riders can come and they can stay there as long as they want. So if they want to have 10 minutes, cup of tea, some food and get out, they can. Or if they want to turn up and sleep for a day to catch up, that's fine. They can. We can feed them and water them and then they, off they go again. And then they carry on down then to Southern Island to a ferry port called Ross Lair And they'll catch the ferry from there over to um, mid Wales, well, mid to south wales to a ferry port called fish God. so the fact that there's two ferries there as well um sort of balances things out a little bit so just say you were a serious competitor you wanted to you know you were racing to get a good position but you happen to miss the ferry going from scotland to ireland you know if you plan it right and you ride accordingly you could then try and make that time up by getting the correct ferry from Ireland to Wales, you know, so it can it can equalise and balance things out a little bit. And then when you're in Wales, you're in my own country here, so the route through Wales is stunning. Loads of ancient castles to go past, ancient um, standing stones. We go through a place called the Desert of Wales where it's just like a huge expanse of land with very, very few roads in it. You'd be lucky if you see anybody as you ride through it. It's just stunning, though so quiet and tranquil and then you get towards the elan valley over um oh it's devil's staircase which is a, a really cool climb descending that and then you get up into snowdonia where we've got the tallest mountain in wales and that is a national park and it's beautiful and you actually go past uh, it's funny because on the news this morning, there's a, a debate going on at the moment. There's a road in a place called Harlech, which is on our route. And there's a road there called Pentlech. Uh, and there's a sort of dispute, not a dispute, but there's a discussion going on at the moment as to whether or not that's the steepest road in the world. It's, yeah, and I think there's a road somewhere else, Chile or somewhere. I wasn't really paying that much attention to it. But, um, yeah, so, there's, so there's, a, there's a chance that the riders will be going past the officially, uh, the Guinness Book of Records steepest road. And if not, it's still a steep road anyway. It's For like sure. 40%. 40%. I'm not sending riders up there, but, you know, if somebody wanted to have a quick crack at it, they'd be welcome okay. to. finish doing a one lap of the Great Orm, which I mentioned earlier, where we had the road race a few years ago. The riders were coming to the seaside town of Sandidna, where I live, do a lap of the great home, drop down, and it's a nice descent then to the finish line.
0: Amazing. It sounds really, really an amazing loop, uh, an amazing course that you've drawn. Um, maybe if we can talk about that, I think, yeah, we still have some time, otherwise I will, I, we will actually kill all our listeners over there at (laughs) where are we at the moment with the organization of the pan-celtic race so just put some something like just put there some numbers something like when when the race will start at what place are you uh so which kind of let's say may means which kind of situation on the organization you are and all this kind of stuff let's go really on the cold number okay so the
1: race starts 7th of july yeah but you need to be in Inverness on the 6th of July to sign on and to uh, get the safety brief to meet the other riders. Um, Ten days after the start, we'll be having a party in at the finish in no and that's going to be really cool. Um, at the start, we're going to have ourselves a, a druid, a, an actual druid. Do you know what a druid is? No. Okay, so he's a bit like a wizard. But he's a Celtic-type wizard. He's a guy that can do magic and stuff like that, and he can do blessings. I mean, there's not many of them around now. The, the, uh, the Romans tried to kill them all off hundreds of years ago. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, we've going to get ourselves a genuine druid to be at the start. And back in the day when Celts were – because the Celtic people, they started off in Europe, they came over to over to Britain, occupied Wales, Scotland – Cornwall, Ireland. Yeah, back in. So so we had these Celts there, but when they would go to war, what they would do is, when they had a battle, they would um, reach out to other people and they would say, Look, can you come and support us in, like, for example, taking on the Romans because the Romans were trying to invade uh, Britain or invade other places in Europe. So people would come, they would hear the calling from the Celtic people and they would come and join forces and then. If you join forces with the Celts, a Druid would make you an honorary Celt, so then you could fight under the sort of banner of of the Celtic people you were supporting. So that's what we're going to be doing with with, uh, our race. You've heard our calling, you've come to Inverness, and we're going to make you an honorary Celt for the, the battle ahead. And In my mind, I see the battle as a battle against the environment, a battle against the elements, and a battle against yourself, because you'll know and most people listening to this will know that one of the biggest things to overcome is your own self uh, dialogue in your head. You know, you you talk, you're saying to yourself, why am I doing this? Why don't I just finish Or, you know, I could just go home now. So beating that own internal dialogue is one of the things that you're going to have to take on. So parties at 10 days later and we're going to have some really cool stuff happening there
0: okay 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 so uh yeah it makes completely sense so you are planning people to arrive let's say to finish all the course in 10 days yeah yeah perfect so
1: yeah we've got two routes as well so we've got the the the, um the main route and a short route the the main route is 1400
0: miles Uh, can you tell me in kilometers how much it is sorry for that
1: You'll have to Google
0: that, I'm afraid. Oh, uh, no, really? Yeah, you'll have to Google that. But it's. Um, Let me do it then. I wanted to ask you just to put you in the corner. But yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, maybe it's on the website. I should know, really. But the no website worries, is no worries. Uh, so yeah, you're going to have to average maybe 140 miles a day okay, to yeah. get there for the party if you do the long route and 80 odd miles a day if you do the short route.
0: Okay. Okay. I have here, actually, I Googled it. Two thousand three hundred and seventeen more or less kilometers yeah, so
1: do you know much about the celtic people
0: uh, i mm, uh, I don't know so much actually okay I, I've got
1: a few quotes here. I'm going to read these
0: out to you. Do it okay. please okay. okay, so
1: there's a guy there's this famous guy, a scholar, his name is James H. Webb, and he described Celtic people as having distinct tra- distinct traits of loyalty to kin mistrust of government authority and military readiness there with the Celts. You've heard of William Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare. He said of the Celts that they have a natural affinity of the Celtic mind towards the night side of nature, towards the weird and the eerie and the supernatural. And uh, I, I really like that because I've met enough endurance riders who fit that kind of description okay. quite well. Okay, okay. And uh, in ancient times, the Celtic warriors were known to go into battle without any clothing. Uh, and this, these are the words of Julius Caesar. Okay. Julius Caesar, So he said, uh, very terrifying too were the appearance and the gestures of the naked warriors in front, all in the prime of life and finely built men, and all in the leading companies richly adorned with gold, torques and armlets and... Some used iron breastplates in battle while others fight naked, trusting only in the protection which nature gives so uh yeah, that's sort of uh yeah I like that. i like I like that idea of these guys going into battle completely naked, and I've had to make a point actually of saying on the Facebook group that if anybody feels like they've got some real strong Celtic urges, they can I'm ride gonna, naked. Well, they're welcome to, but at least get into the get out into the wilderness a little bit and then, by all means, strip off and uh, lose the clothes
0: and get back to nature. Let's say, let them at least use a pair of shoes.
1: A pair of shoes, at least, yeah.
0: Yeah, at least the shoes, not for, because they need also after it to ride for at least 10 days, let's say. And, yeah, you don't want blisters because you have ridden barefoot on uh, clipless pedals. At least this one, give them a chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um I just want to ask you the last question really. Uh yes. I have it written here but I can actually go also out of memory. So I have been talking with a really uh, huge quantity of people that are coming actually from great britain in general uh, i've been for example uh talking with nelson tree i talked with him and that is the organizer of the um, uh, silk road Monte race and then we have uh, Mike Hall, that is british as well and then jenny graham and mark Beaumont. they are actually the one that they have the records of the ride around the world and uh, who can we mention? I've talked, for example, with uh, Paul Arrington. He's also really strong. Endurance, uh, endurance uh, gravel riders. And then, obviously, with Jenny Tuff, also coming from that side of the world. And then we can mention something like your Curio Race, the Pan-Celtic Race, uh, the GB Duro, the Transatlantic Way, uh, these, these, and that. What the hell is happening over there in Great Britain? Why are you so much into ultra endurance cycling and adventure at that much, do you have an idea on that
1: okay just before i answer i'd say the gb duro if you fancy doing something really hard and wild try doing that if i wasn't organizing this race this year that's something i'd try and do but to answer your question i'd say quite simply the uk rocks
0: you think so <laughs>
1: Oh, well, maybe that's my opinion, but I'm biased. But no, it's all no, that was a that was a bit of a joke. But, no, I can I get think, it. Uh, yeah, but I think you know, um year zero for most people in endurance racing and the bikepacking scene is 2013, and that was the year of the first transcontinental. And I think the buzz, the drive and inspiration all comes from one place, which would be Mike, once not it? You know, I think if Mike was born, we're lucky that Mike was born. I guess in the UK, we're lucky he was born in Yorkshire. He's a Yorkshireman. Mm-hmm. I guess if Mike Hall had been born in Switzerland, then maybe the whole endurance and bikepacking scene would be, a, you know, it might be a little bit more prominent or a more, bit more developed or more going on there. Do you understand?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can completely see yeah, the yeah. point, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, he was... a. Uh, he was a pioneer and a, an inspiration to, to many um, but i think just generally i think there's just uh, i think this i think there's a lot of reasons why british cycling has had um, has had some great successes hasn't it in the last 10 years you've got things like team sky you've got the 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 um, Team GB doing really well at the Olympics. You've got people setting records. Yeah, the
0: London Olympics as well was...
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think all these different factors just sort of have played into it. So cycling's had a really big upsurge in the last eight years, 10 years. More and more people arrived than ever before. Bikes were becoming more affordable. And I think it's all that sort of trickle-down effect. And uh, I think that's why, really. I think uh, if you have a look back in history... A lot of explorers, people have, you know, like the guy given up Everest, and the guy that went across the South Pole, you know, the British people. It's just in there. I think it's part of our psyche, really, to so be get out there and entertain the wilderness.
0: Yeah, know. actually, because we're British people place. were actually sailing all around the world yeah. <laughs> with the empire and stuff. There is a yeah, reason why I'm not
1: agreeing for the empire
0: building. But, yeah, but, know, big, anyways.
1: Yeah, it, you know, it'd been a, going out there and having an adventure. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, Part of the part of the British psyche,
0: yeah, I can tell you actually just because, yeah, I mentioned actually the GB Duro because I got a small chat with Miles, who is one of the organizer of the racing collective, and yeah, I'm trying to get it, I try to get him into on my microphone maybe soon, so we are gonna listen to something like this.
1: Yeah, I met him, I met him in November, rode his um, he does a really cool event called the Penduro, which is a um well it's him and i can't remember the name of the other guy that's not good but between the pair of them they organize the pendrulo and that's a that's a solid event that's really good and they do, and they do it as well you know it's they're not looking to you know to no, they don't charge people for doing it they just do it for the love of it and i think that's awesome you know i, I sort of, i think that's really good are you planning something
0: for you are you writing something for you this year
1: well i could be actually And I'm hopefully going to find out later today whether or not I'll be doing it. So Uh, that's uh, going to be exciting. Okay,
0: you are not. I, I'm gonna cut it if you want to kill me. Are you? Are you thinking about the transcontinental race or what? Because I think that these days are the days.
1: Yeah. No. Not. No. I've done done that one, and then I've done the transatlantic way, and then for me, there's like a natural progression then of what you aim to do. So. I had I had considered doing the Trans Am, but that's not going to happen. It's just uh, too close to the race. But um, Oh, yeah, there is maybe.
0: only one missing out of it, huh? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to go deep into it. Okay, it's yeah, fine.
1: So maybe, so maybe that, but I'm just waiting to know later on. But um, quickly going back to my own race. Do it. Uh, we're going to have some really exciting news. And you are going to
0: say all the news right now, right here. Well, when
1: are you going to release this?
0: Uh, Let me give you, let me give you, let me give you an idea because uh, because I don't remember the dates. Not next Tuesday, next coming Tuesday, but the one after. And what's the date of that? I'm watching the same. And what the hell? Twenty second. Twenty second, yeah. Ooh.
1: Okay. (laughs) Well, I hope I'm not going to piss anyone else piss anyone off here. But yeah, we've got um we've got some really cool sponsors on board with our race. Uh, we're going to be making announcements about them uh, the week commencing the 21st. Um, but watch this space. But I will tell you, for me, I was... So anyone getting into endurance cycling taking, taking on these events for the first time, you're going to have to get certain types of equipment to do it, aren't you? So you're going to need a bicycle. Yes. You're going to need clothing. You're going to need baggage you're going to need some lights and you're going to have to think about nutrition aren't you you're going to have to think about what's good for you how you, you know what you eat what do you need to how do you fuel yourself each day because you know i think was it christoph he's saying that i heard him saying once he's like fifteen thousand calories which i suppose is normal for these type of events but um so yeah you so you need those five things to um to get your to get yourself ready and get yourself on that start line. So I've been talking with five really, really cool sponsors or brands, if you like, or five brands. And we have got them um, partnering up with the race and they will be anyone that's taking part in the race. will be able to get their goods at a really good discount and get support from them get personalized items from them uh come on tell me the names you name it and uh, i'll tell you after <laughs> i'll tell you off mike okay uh, okay but it's been commencing then and for me uh they are they represent the best of the best in the field so it's the best bike manufacturer it's the best bike bag manufacturer the best light manufacturer the best clothing um manufacturer and the, and I don't eat a great deal of nutrition products. I tend to just eat baked beans and stuff like that and stuff from shops. But I've tried there the stuff that they've got and it's really nice actually. And it's not the sort of normal, super sweet, sickly stuff. It's uh, it's different and it's it sort of fits in with the whole sort of Celtic sort of ethos and values and sort of flavor, if you like, of, of the race. So that would be really cool. So that's. And then um, what I can say is because that'll be out on March first. In March the first, we're having a um, training camp up here in North Wales. So anyone that's entered the race, or anyone that's thinking of entering the race, there we're gonna um, we're gonna take over a mountaineering hut, um, stroke hostel in a sort of village in North Wales called Betws Cwylid. So people can drive up to there on a Friday, we can go to the pub, we can have some beers, we can have some food, we can talk about stuff, spend the night together in this mountaineering hub and then Saturday morning uh, we can ride off and we will aim to hit a town which is maybe 80 to 100 miles away. How you get there is up to you, we can ride it together, you can ride it in pairs, ride it by yourself, that's fine. We'll have a place that we're going to meet at. So there'll probably be another pub because it's all about having fun as well as doing some riding. And then from there, people will have to go out and find their own sort of bivvy spot for the night. So it'll either be, they can either ride out into the countryside a little bit or they can do some urban bivvy in. Or they can even book into a bed and breakfast because, you know, all these things are what's allowed in the Pan-Celtic. And then the next day we go for breakfast and ride home. So we've got a training camp happening in March. We've got some really cool sponsor stuff to announce in the next couple of weeks. And then maybe something else, which I'm just trying to firm up for sure. Something else happening in April. So busy few months ahead of the race and then the race itself.
0: Cool. At the moment, so at that point, only one thing is missing then, Matt. Tell us all the contacts where people can find all this information that are going to pop up in the next few weeks. Okay. So the f- best place to find it
1: will be either on Instagram. So just go to Instagram and type in pan-Celtic race and that will come up. Do the same thing in Google and the Facebook group will come up as uh, along with the website. So they're the f- sort of three primary channels that we're using uh, to, you know, to communicate to people. Uh, by all means, email, email me. That, that's great. Email Matt at pancelticrace.com, uh, or there's an info at pancelticrace. You can email, and uh, yeah, just feel free to ask any questions you like. Because I've had um, lots of lots of really nice emails over the last few weeks from people from Canada, uh, America, uh, Portugal, uh, Catalonia, different places like that people that have never done anything like this before who are maybe a little bit nervous, but, you know, by answering their questions, then they're, you know, they've gone on to, to enter the race and they're part of it. And for me, you're not, if you enter this race, you're not, you're not a, you're not a rider as much or a participant, but you are, you know, it might be a bit corny and we've been saying it, and it is a bit tongue in cheek, but you know, you're like part of the clan, you're like part of the Celtic clan. But more so than that, you're part of the family, and you know if if you're part of the family, then we look out for each other. I look out for you, you know, so like just like how I look after look out for my friends or and my own family, if you're willing to um, interest in me and i and the rest of the team to deliver something really cool, then that 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 really makes me feel humble and uh that you know so yeah i will uh you know you're part
0: of the family and we'll take care of you whatever it is so that's it that's great that's really really great uh what else to say nothing if you want to add something um yeah I, i'll just say one thing because this is something go ahead uh, my event's
1: going to be really really cool that's no doubt about it but i just wanted to say uh, just make make mention to one person really okay uh, um and that is to um Pat Hall, You know who Pat is? No. Okay, well, that's Mike's mum. Ah, okay. And, she, and um, you know, uh, most people I owe, you know, if, if it wasn't for the Mike and the TCR, then I wouldn't be organising the Pan Celtic race. And I've said already, I take my hat off to Anna for, you know, for picking up the mantle and carrying on, because what she's been through was very, very difficult for anybody. I lost my brother, eight years ago and i had to pick up the pieces of that and my mum i had to help my mum get through it and it was really really so so difficult and um so you know i i can completely understand that um but before he was my inspiration before he was your inspiration or anyone else's inspiration or figurehead he was somebody's son and he was some somebody's brother and um you know when i went I was at the start in in last year and I'd signed on, I'd got my hat, I'd got my little wallet. And as I was walking out of that area, there was a woman stood there and I thought, I reckon I, and it turned out it was Mike's mum. So I stopped mm-hmm. and we got talking and um, I was touched at that point, just how generous and spirit she was because, you know, I, I know what my mum was like having lost her son and, you know, seeing her there at the start must have been really really difficult for her but she was there because it was something that her son I guess would have wanted her to do and um and I've seen her since then I saw her last year there was a, a ride called this is not a tour which was a sort of gravel uh ride organized in memory of Mike mm-hmm. and uh, she just happened to be on the course there and I met her again spoke to her and um yeah I just wanted just to say uh just say what I think of an amazing woman she is because um do you follow the what's been going on with the inquest in Australia.
0: Yeah, yeah, a bit.
1: Yeah, well you know the fact that she went out and she you know had the uh the graciousness to, to to forgive the person that had done that. Yeah. That's incredible. And I just wanted to say that it and, and, uh, and Mike's brother Russell as well. He was at the finish line in the um, La Meteora and um, you know it was must have been really really difficult for him to have been there, see all these riders coming in, and and uh, he did it. So uh, yeah, just just hats off to the Hall family, great people, and uh, hats off to Anna for carrying on. And um, keeping Mike's dream and vision alive. So that's it. That's me done, finished.
0: Enter the Pan Celtic race. Do it. Yeah. Anyways, as uh, yeah, I really like your your words, and I completely believe that uh, yeah, this would not be that this uh, scene and this group of people, family as you called, plan mm. whatever would not be so big. And this would be a pity, because I believe that it's into this kind of world that it seems like not completely touched by sponsorship and fever of money and stuff like this. So all this family here would not have been the same without Mike over there, so for sure, saying thank you to him, Twana, to, to his family, and um, it's pretty important. And I, I, think, I think it's something that probably we should re- remember and recall more often. So thanks yeah. a lot for your words cool matt then uh I'll, i will let you get a rest because i yeah. really kidnapped you for two hours and it's really too much yeah listen i'm sorry if i
1: droned on a little bit i started to fade out a little bit halfway through the chat there but it's just a bit of fatigue but hey that's what it's like isn't Come it? on. endurance riding, endurance riding you got to deal with these things haven't you so yeah yeah so. yeah,
0: yeah. Well, then, enjoy the rest of the day and enjoy also your commuting back to work tonight. And uh, it was really a pleasure, a huge hug, and talk to you soon. Okay, take it easy. Bye, Stefano. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. What the hell? Really? Almost one hour and 15 minutes of episode? Yes, sorry for that. If you're right till the end, thanks a lot. But I can swear our chat lasts for a couple of hours. I think it was something like 150 minutes or stuff like this. Edit and uh, but, anyways, I really, I had really, really, and hard time on editing and cutting some of our shots because you listen to that, right? Matt has a lot of things to say and a lot of stories. So, if you want to know more about his stories and the stories in general of the Celtic people of all the participants of whatever over there, just be sure to be part of this event. It's going to be pretty, pretty, pretty fun. And a lot of people that I know, I'm going to be there. So, yeah, I can suggest you to do that. Let me cut it. Let me cut it saying your feedback on this episode and on everything. Hello at calamaro.cc. That's my email. Instagram.com calamaro.cc. Facebook.com calamaro.cc. Twitter.com slash read calamaro. Spreaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Look for BroomVegan.com. And remember to rate it, comment it, and share it with all your people over there. Thanks to 3T, as usual, for the amazing support that they are providing me in this season. And talk to you next week. Bye.